Hello and welcome back to Tells. Hi, Andrew. Hello. Good to be here on Tells again. Thanks for having me. Guess what? What? We have another guest on Tells. Wait but a minute. Not one, but two. Wait a minute. You're saying more people want to join us here on this show? More people want to talk to us. Can you believe it? Feels good. Feels good, man. On our podcast today, we have Mr. and Mrs. Heath Herring. We chat to them about life and love and relationships and I hope you enjoy it. This is our Valentine's Day special. So happy Valentine's Day to all the lovers out there. Thanks. <laughs> Welcome to Tells, Sarah and Heath. You guys may be familiar with Sarah's work in front of the camera uh, for poker news videos, but what you might not know is that she's also the head of video and podcasting at iBlast Media. She's obviously married to the badass mixed martial artist Heath Herring, who goes by the name Texas Crazy Horse as well. And I just watched a video of him punch somebody out, or what is it? The kiss of death. Oh, goodness. It's the best, best 13 seconds on the <laughs> internet, in my opinion. That was fantastic. I'll let Sarah... Uh, tell us about herself a little bit and how you met Heath. Ooh, yes. It's all basically, in terms of my life story, Heath is probably the biggest element of the whole thing. So I was essentially my whole career track was to work in film. I went to film school. I moved to Los Angeles. That was the goal always was to be, ultimately I decided I wanted to be an AD, which is sort of like a film set manager. And there was a lot of weird, random things in between there, a few different countries I lived in and what have you. But at 24, I was working on a movie and Heath was one of the stars of this movie called, <clears throat> at the time, Sex, Blood and Fights. Ooh. So. It was really highbrow, really kind of Academy <laughs> Award type stuff. It it later got renamed Never Surrender, which, you know, I think that that was probably not quite as apropos of a title. But um, Heath was one of the actors on the movie. And I think I had relegated myself to thinking that every person who was a fighter must also be a dummy. And... So I was very surprised to learn that actually that is not true. There are lots of incredibly intelligent fighters, especially my husband. And yeah, so we met on that movie and we dated sort of long distance. He lived in Las Vegas. I lived in L.A. for about six months. And then <laughs> some crazy things happened and I ended up moving to Las Vegas to be with Heath. And actually, that's how I found myself in poker. I was looking for production work in Las Vegas so that I didn't keep having to leave to the Midwest or to LA for work and poker, the world series of poker was coming and poker news was hiring for a production assistant, which was kind of a step down for me at the time, but it was worth it for, for, for this guy. Yeah. Uh, so exactly. he, what were your first thoughts on Sarah? Be careful. I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was an AD on the film actually. I was an AD on the film. Or a uh, PA, rather. Personal assistant. Not he a, thought I was his personal yeah, assistant. I oh. 
He thought I was like assigned to him because I was doting on him so fully. Which would explain so yeah, that she was around me at all the time. <laughs> and would, would monitor my dressing room and everything else. It was actually kind of funny. So you already had the hots for him uh, from the get-go. Sounds like it, Sarah. Oh my gosh. They had all these little extras, you know, the girls who are supposed to be the ring girls or the people in the audience. And they would always be going into his trailer and I would just be like... Knock, knock, knock. Like, are you ready? Is your outfit ready? Like, do you want some oatmeal? I made you some oatmeal. Yeah, yeah I was definitely, I was going in for the kill. So I, it was definitely understandable that I would have made the leap thinking that she was my assistant because she was just always there <laughs> doting on me. So I thought, well, this is, she's assigned to take care of me. Uh, but yeah, no, come to find out that was not her job. She but it is my it. job now. <laughs> I guess that was an early glimpse into your future. Yeah, whether I liked it or not, it was kind of forced on me, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so then, who asked you out first? Oh, I definitely asked her out first. Yeah. And it was it was my first experience on a film set, so I was in L.A. I think it was a two weeks two week shooting schedule. So, you know, you don't shoot uh, if you're one of the actors. You're not always scheduled to shoot all the time. So I had a couple of days off, and I was just like, "Hey, what's going on?" I'm not really used to L.A. or Hollywood. Let's go out. Let's go, you know. I, it was, I, I tried to make it as platonic as possible at first. I have just but now yeah, realized definitely... what a creepy stalker I was. <laughs> I totally remember you being like, hey, like, what's going on? What are the things happening? And I, like, ran down the stairs. I was like, oh, I know. I know of things we could do. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're going drinking? I want to go with you. <laughs> I actually have never even thought of that. I was yeah. totally like, That's as soon right. as you opened the door, I was like, hello, I'm here. <laughs> a woman who knows what she wants. Yeah. But honestly, <laughs> if. I didn't talk to Andrew. I don't think we'd be together today. Right? So, yeah, I went up to him. I was like, hi. He was sitting there in the corner by himself. I was like, hi, I'm here. You want to chat? Yeah. So. Yeah, Boosie's about, Boosie's about as outgoing as it gets. And uh, it was a really good match um, for my personality right off the bat. She's like, hello, here's my phone. Put your number in it. Put your LinkedIn. Yeah, it makes it easy for sure, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. we got to give out the signs. I feel like there's too much rejection in general. So it's, you know, and we I'm sure you've done your share of rejecting also. So when you when you want it, you've got to really put the signs out. And say, I am here and ready. <laughs> um, so I did find out a little bit about how you ended up moving to Las Vegas. Can we oh, talk about that? The rumors are just circulating. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I was going to see Heath. Actually, we had reshoots on the movie that we had met on, and Heath was not necessary for those. But reshoots are always a really small, small-scale crew. They kind of try to just fill in the blanks here and there. And so I was working on the reshoots, and at the end of the night one night, I was one of the only people still there. The actor gave me uh, the props from the scene, which included brass knuckles, and threw them in my purse. No big deal, not thinking about it, not worried about it. And actually, something had happened with our permitting, and the next day we ended up having the shoot get canceled. So um, Heath was like, hey, why don't you come up to Vegas then and just see me? Let's hang out for the weekend. So I just, okay, yeah, I had a few cocktails. I had a couple of cocktails when I had my day off suddenly. And I headed to the old Bob Hope Airport and threw my, threw my bags on the old 
TSA line and they were like, hey, are these your bags? And I was like, yep, they sure are. <laughs> and they were like, are these your brass knuckles? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's hysterical. Let me tell you all about it. And I mean, I had the call sheets and I had everything, but basically I think they they had some things in the 90s in California with gang violence. So they created a, a series of laws based around deadly weapons where it's basically, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why you have it. It certainly didn't help that I brought it into the airport. There was also this thing called 9-11. I don't know if you remember. Oh, yeah, I guess that was a thing. So there was that, that too. But, yeah, so I got charged um, with assault with a deadly weapon and – or, no, possession of a deadly weapon. I didn't assault anyone. (laughs) Let's be clear about that. And, yeah, so they arrested me at the airport, and it was – it ended up being a huge deal, basically, and I just kept telling Heath, like, I don't understand. I didn't do any. I mean, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't understand. And he convinced me to get an attorney, which was very intelligent. Now at you know thirty something, I recognize that's important. But long story short, the attorney was very expensive, which I'm lucky Heath ended up paying for. But I thought I was not going to have any money. I had to pay the um, the bail was two thousand dollars, and then I got. What is it called? Adjudicated. adjudicated, Something. Basically, I had these certain things that I had to do. And then after I did them, they would dismiss the charges. But I had to serve 48-hour days. So basically, two straight months of community service. And so it was, I mean, basically, it was like after I paid some fees, paid the attorneys, and then couldn't work for two months. I still had rent. I still had bills. I still had everything. So, um Heath kindly offered to come in and hero save me and he paid for my attorney and he allowed me to stay in Las Vegas with him and he actually arranged I was going to be and I just was so naive I just really didn't understand but I was going to be full on you know orange jumpsuit on the side of the highway with actual criminals oh no uh, in Los Angeles so Heath was at a poker tournament here in Las Vegas uh, a charity poker tournament and met the guy who was the head of the Nevada Partnership for Homeless Youth. And so he arranged so that if I came to Las Vegas, I could do my two months of community service at this place instead of, you know, picking up garbage on the side of the road, which was a lifesaver. And also, that's how I bagged me a husband. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's so crazy how all that can stem for just hanging onto a movie prop. But uh, turns out it's worked out okay. Yes, and in and yeah, in retrospect, I, I think okay, that's part of my story, and you know, I always try to remind myself now. It's like God has a plan for you, and don't worry, it'll work out. But I can definitely tell you, when I went home, this happened December fifth, and when I went home that Christmas, it, it was definitely like the worst week of my life, probably. And I was like, this is what life is like. My mom was like, you're probably gonna have to get a job waiting tables now, and and I was just like, oh my gosh. I already waited tables for so long. Like, I'm finally moving forward in my life, and I just have to go backwards for nothing. But, yeah, it was forward. I didn't realize it was actually forward. It's just crazy. divert path. Uh, Heath, what did you think when you got that phone call? Well, I'm, my, my, my father's an attorney, so I, oh, knew, okay. it was, I knew it was pretty serious. Uh, right away. And uh, I, I immediately was like, you have to. I, and I had, a, I had an attorney. I had. Anyway, through some business stuff, I had an attorney on retainer in California that I called, and uh, he actually got her out that night on on his uh, through his license. But uh, I, she, Sarah was thinking of doing the public defender route, and I was like, <laughs> "This is not, no, no, no. This is not something you can gamble with. This is a serious deal. We got to get you a decent attorney and get this get this thing fixed." 
yeah, it just was it was serious. I, I knew I knew the seriousness of it. I don't think she realized, uh, you know, that it, how serious it could have been. And now she's not a felon, and none of that stuff occurred. But you know, you get something like that, you know, on your record, and it just absolutely will just haunt you forever. But Which, it's crazy too, because I don't know what it's like now. But when I got arrested, you can't call someone out of state. For one thing. And for another thing, you can't call a cell phone. I'm sure this has changed by now, which I guess ages me a little bit. But at the time, you these were the rules of being arrested. And so it was like, okay, the only people's phone numbers I knew that had a house phone was like my mom and my dad. They live in Colorado. So I didn't know what to do, but I was in a cell where there was a phone in there. It was like a weird phone. But anyways, I was freaking out. And I just decided, I'm like, I'm just going to dial Heath's number. Like they said, it wasn't like my actual phone call. But I just was like, I'm just like, you'd have nothing to do. There's nothing to do, obviously, in a jail cell. So I called Heath's number. And for some reason, it connected us for 10 or 15 seconds or something. It was a super short time. And I was just like, oh, naked. They took my clothes. Uh." I don't know. Like (laughs) he said, I basically just said they took my clothes. And I think they took all my piercings out. I had a lot of piercings at the time. Um. But then it was crazy because I kept saying, when do I get my phone call? When do I get my phone call? And I had been arrested on a Friday. And basically, if you get arrested on a Friday, you don't get arraigned until Tuesday. So I was like, are you serious? And then I'm just, where's my phone call? But then in the middle of the night, they slipped a piece of paper under the door, which was the number to Heath's attorney. So I don't know what, you must have called them and had the attorney call. But basically, then it was a California-based landline, so I was able to make a call. And he was able to arrange the bail. But I was thinking, I mean, if this had happened and I hadn't known Heath, I don't that, know people in California that just have a, a landline retainer. Like, I would have been there until Tuesday for sure with real criminals. That's crazy. I probably would have been deported. So this is oh, really yeah. important information yeah. for me to know. I had I I'd known very little about the, the system, right? But... I just know I don't want to be in it or a part of it at any time. It's true. And even when Heath was saying, you know, he was going through all these things, you know, that are the result of having a felony. You know, you can't vote. You can't own a weapon. You can't own certain types of businesses. I mean, it has all these implications. And really, you know, for me at that age, you just you're not even looking that far down the road, but I, I, I realize now, had I had something, I mean, any job you apply for, they ask you, have you been convicted of a felony? Can you imagine it's just for this stupid thing, but nobody's gonna, nobody in the interview is like, oh yeah, you were a felony and it was an accident. Oh, okay, great. Got you. Like you're hired. No, you're just out of the list. Oh yeah. No, I'm glad that worked, worked out the way it did. Good job, Heath. And then you were like, this is husband material. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was like, this is the one I want to wipe up for sure. <laughs> okay, so you're both now living in Las Vegas. Heath is uh, training for MMA and Sarah. I also read about how you got your poker news job, which today you might not make it back if you go to somebody's house that you found on <laughs> Craigslist. That's to true. apply for a job interview. When I think back on it now, I'm like, what was I doing? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I have no idea. And I, I wasn't even worried about it either. No. I, I was like, yeah, go ahead. But I feel fine. like Craigslist, I know a lot of people, that's how they found their roommates and who ended up being close friends of mine. You know, it's I, I definitely think Craigslist was something for a while that it is not anymore. Yeah, but yeah, sure. I found that's... the job 
with Craigslist. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, I did the same thing. Like, I don't know if I went to anybody's house in particular, but I was for sure looking up for uh, jobs and, and things when I was in Los Angeles, uh, just searching those job postings on Craigslist. Next thing you know, it's your serial killer bait. <laughs> That's it now. <laughs> uh, but he didn't move here until what, 2004, he was living in Holland before, mm. and then I feel like from from Holland to Las Vegas is pretty much the only place you can go in the U.S. if you live in crazy, <laughs> crazy Dutch <laughs> land. I was, I was at South Holland. I was at the Point Loops. Okay, well, I thought that's the only, you, the only thing you can do as a Texas boy after that is send him to Las Vegas. When, and you got ma- when did you guys get married? How long have you been married now? Oh, I'm giving it to you. That was a softball. Almost three years. Almost three yeah. years. Well, no, after, September was three years. Yeah. Last three September was three years. And how has it been? Because we, I mean, besides, I know of what, Jason Mercier, Christy Arnett. Uh, All people we know, actually. <laughs> All friends of two. ours to a certain extent. I don't, yeah. So I, I want to talk to more people in relationships in the poker world but i want to hear about the the proposal what did Heath uh, do since i mean he's really he's uh he shows up for you when you get oh, arrested yeah. you know that's not a very good story actually oh and you were <laughs> on another movie then yeah this is a terrible story all right so <clears throat> the ring is great though i'll tell you that I it love is beautiful ring. i've seen it in person <laughs> um but basically we'd been living together for four years and we, I can't, something, we got in a fight of some kind. And of course, at this point, I think at about one year of living together, I started pressuring pretty, pretty hard. Two years, it was like, I think that I mentioned it at least two to three times a day that I wanted <laughs> to get married. And by four years, it was like a constant nag, I think, just a never ending nag. And I, and it, at some point I was like, listen, if it, if it doesn't happen by four years, it's never going to happen. Let's get real. Um, but we got in some kind of a fight, and he said something to me that was like, oh, I'm never going to marry you or something. And I was like, oh, no. Okay. I did not. Yes, you did. <laughs> or you said you didn't want me to be the mother of your kids That's or something funny. really terrible. I'm, yeah, we brought your daughter to the airport, and something happened like that. And then I said, okay, that's it. I'm leaving you. You're never going to marry me. I've been... We've been living together for four years. It's obvious it's never going to happen. And there is that thing where it's like, okay, I was, what, 30, I think, at the time or something. It was like, okay, it's getting to the point where, I mean, I know this is antiquated probably to some people, but obviously you're not attractive forever physically. And if you want to get a prime candidate for (laughs) partnership, you don't want to be doing that, you know, when you're not feeling as attractive. So... He was going to work on a movie. He left that morning. We had this big blowout fight. And then, you know, we talked on Skype later that day. And I was like, listen, you know, obviously I love you and I want to be with you, but I can't just keep waiting. And that then, is not what happened. And then, we didn't talk at all for a week. Okay, whatever, four I days, on, something. I was on another film in L.A. We hadn't talked at all, but I was busy on the film, which was nice to get away and not have to worry about this constant irritation. And I wasn't going to call him because I was 
really mad. But you did call and you went, it's been a week and I haven't talked to you and you don't take me serious. Isn't and you it don't funny love me how he remembers it? No, but that's exactly He called me for sure. If we found the records, I'm willing to put money on if we find the records. He called <laughs> you me. Saying, if you're not serious about me and you don't love me and I said, oh yeah, if I'm not serious about you, look in the drawer next to the bed and that's how it happened. Okay, you said look oh. under the bed. Oh man. Yes, and there was a ring there, and it was beautiful. That I'd had for a long time. That I, the receipt, because obviously I pulled it out, like, <laughs> boxed and everything. The receipt was there, and he'd had it for more than a year. I was like, hmm. well, if I wasn't pushing this, it might have never happened. That's. I'd even already talked to her dad about it. Oh, he talked to my dad, like, two years before, and so I was what? just waiting. I was just waiting and waiting. Anyways, yeah, it finally happened, but fortunately the ring was really good. And then I got to go to... It was another Hector movie, wasn't it? It totally was. And then that's why you said, okay, so the guy who directed the movie that we met on, Heath was doing another movie with that guy when he proposed from California. And then I went, remember they sent a car to pick me up and everything? And then you said I should have invited Hector to the wedding. Yeah. And I didn't. We had a very small wedding. This this is perfect. Long distance relationship, long distance proposal. You go, Heath, and now what are you travel. waiting for? Yeah, Heath, do you think that you were kind of waiting for like uh, some sort of like perfect moment or situation or something? I had a lot of hang-ups. I'd gotten married really young. I got married when I was 18, and uh, it's not a very good experience. So I think I had a lot of uh, you know personal issues with that that I was worried about um, that I don't think was fair, that I was putting on her. But I have plenty of issues too, so that was probably... Uh, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> he's like i have a I'm, lot of and, and, you know I'm, I'm actually really glad we're married I, I, our relationship hasn't been any hasn't been better since or hasn't been i mean it's been much for the better rather so yeah i mean i regret maybe not have done doing it earlier but i think it was my own issues that i had to work through and um if i hadn't have been given the impetus or been forced into it i probably wouldn't have but uh i'm glad that i did yeah and it's funny because i just had this big debate in israel with all these poker people it's funny you mentioned a lot of poker people aren't Married, And I think there's this real push at this point right now, this idea that, you know, oh, it's just a piece of paper and it doesn't matter and who cares? It's like, you know, institutional something. But I don't know. For me, I think making a commitment to each other in front of your friends and family and if you believe in God or not, we believe in God. So it's it was something to do that in front of everyone and also to ask everyone to support it, you know, to ask it to ask people to not just say like, oh, yeah, you're wife's a biatch or your husband's an a-hole and to ask people to participate in this union as your friends and family too that everybody gets on the same page like this is what we're doing and we're doing it together I think it's I mean for me it's been really awesome and I also think there's a really I don't know what it's like to be a man but for me as a woman there is a sense of just security and it's not this old-fashioned idea even of financial security I think I would be I can always make money I'm fine but it's just knowing that you have somebody that loves you, you know, unconditionally, really, that you don't have to be interesting forever, or so fun or so charming, <laughs> or it's okay if, you know, you go through different phases and stuff in your relationship, you just know that you always have each other. I mean, I don't understand why people hate that idea so much, actually. Yeah, I always think maybe they think that there'll be something better, right? There'll yeah. be something better down the road. And you're not getting any younger. If we were all sort of Benjamin Buttoning life, then <laughs> then that'd be great, right? You'd be like, oh, I'm just getting younger and hotter. So, of course, I'm going to wait um, for maybe something better. And it's so interesting because I think the, that even in what we've been saying in, 
you know, we did pre- premarital counseling and talked a lot about what we want our marriage to be and what are the most important things to us. And, you know, I think it's nice to be able to go back and reflect on those things. But it's also the longer you know someone, it's like why you love your family so much, no matter what I think. It's like you just were with them for 20 years or whatever. You know, you just develop this deep love that comes from having fought with each other and made up with each other and seen each other through good things and bad things. And so it's like this concept of something better, what it lacks is something so much deeper, which is just time. Like having a long time with someone, you just, your love, I think it evolves just infinitely more than anything you feel in the beginning. I think you, I think there's a layer of insecurity there though. If you're always looking for something better then then you or your partner are never really content in the relationship. So there's always constant friction. I think if that's if that's really what that boils down to. Well, and fear. It's like everything. Fear and greed, right? And that's exactly what it is. It's fear on the one person's part, maybe, and greed on the other, and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. uh, Sarah Herring, everyone, the spokesperson for marriage in poker. (laughs) Near felon and spokesperson for marriage. What a perfect... I think you you both make a very good case for marriage. And I mean, I I agree. I think especially the knowing somebody, right? So you're with somebody for so long and they're crazy is just another day. Now it's, it's nothing surprising and, and it's beautiful to know that you can come home, ugly cry and it's good. Yes. Um, so how has the relate? So, I mean, since you've been long distance for most of the relationship, Sarah travels a lot now still for work. Um, Keith, what do you do when she's away? I mean, I, <laughs> lately I haven't, been, I haven't been traveling as much. I've okay. been gone quite a bit myself, but um, <laughs> strange as it may seem, and, and my sister's married to uh, her husband's in, in the military. He's in the army, so he's gone long stretches. I, I think there's, I think there's some truth to the adage, uh, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Amen. Um, and uh, it is nice. I think it's nice. It gives us both time to. Um, you know, I, I'm always working on one thing or another, or always busy with something. Uh, I think, and vice versa, her as well. I, it, funny, strangely enough, I would say some of our biggest flare-ups that we have in our relationships is when we've been apart for extended periods of time, like two or more weeks, and then we come back together, and it's that initial first couple of days where we actually irritate each other the most. Uh, it's, it's, it's very strange. You would think it would be the opposite. Um, it seems the longer that we're together, the easier our relationship is. But it's when these we have these long breaks and we come back together. I would say the first couple of days, it's just we're each on our own schedule. We're each doing our own thing. You know, I'm getting up at a certain time. She's trying to go to bed at a certain time, or, or vice versa. Whatever it is, it just seems to be these little these little nuances that cause us the biggest problem. And then, of course, the longer that we're together, I'd say our relationship really gets. We start to hitting kind of like this perfect plateau uh, where it just everything seems to go great yeah because you uh, you you definitely feel more productive when you're apart right even though you miss the other person so much like when andrew leaves i'm like woohoo and then when he comes home it's fun because i missed him but i mean my productivity is definitely not as high yeah i think uh i think people probably underestimate um how big of an impact sarah has at poker news and this is something that i actually learned a little bit about just uh listening to an interview um, that you did, uh, I think with Robbie, who is a mutual friend of ours. Um, but yeah, I think there's like, there's probably a lot of similarities between, uh, what we do, uh, like I do the, with the YouTube stuff and the production stuff. And you're doing a lot of that stuff behind the scenes. I think a lot of people just, um, are aware of your on-camera work, but you're, 
probably being super productive when you're on the road and you're focused on uh, all the poker news stuff that needs tackling, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, I'm really busy for sure. <laughs> and every day and I've got a couple of new projects I've been working on in, in the crypto space. And the you know what people don't realize too is that poker news is a very small part of iBus Media, which is the parent company that I actually work for. So, you know, poker news is like 3% of iBus Media and, you know, iBus Media is a much, much bigger fish as a whole, if you will. But it's funny because I was thinking about this the other day. I get next to nothing done when I'm traveling in my actual life, which is really, really hard. And I think one of the most difficult things for me then is that, and, and I'm sure you have this also, you have these extended periods of time where you're gone, where all you do is focus on your work, but you can't like, you know, get your hair done, go to the doctor, I just basic clean your house, do your laundry, just normal things that people I think take for granted that if you could do like 20 minutes of that every day, it's pretty easy. But when you go two weeks where you can do nothing, and then you have two weeks where you have to do everything it definitely makes it definitely makes your days shorter even when you are home and with your partner but i do know i spend a lot of time cooking when Ooh. i'm home not i am not like a master chef or anything by any means but i do realize it's like there or even like we're going to go for a walk after this and i'm super busy and i have a million things to do and heath has a million things to do but it is funny when you're together i think it's much easier to allow yourself sometimes to like take a break and I'm going to make a dinner for you because I want to have a dinner with you or, okay, I have a million things to do, but like, let's take a walk together because I want to spend some time with you. Where when you're alone, you just don't give yourself that time. You're like, let's do it. Everything we wanted to do. I'm doing it. Every time Heath leaves, I, I like redo our house and like throw away everything he won't let me throw away. And, like That's true. Yeah, nice. every time. That's every one of the, time he comes that, home, it's new. That's one of my favorite uh, qualities about Boosie. She gets rid of all my crap that I haven't uh, used in two uh, or three years. I, that's no, it, girl. Sarah, like, <laughs> I don't know what the collecting is about. You need it's to let this so stuff bizarre. go. Uh, do you, what's your... What's your what do you set it on? It's like, okay, this is something that I'll throw away or something not. Because so, Sarah has thrown away things that I, I was really surprised at. She's thrown away mahogany watch boxes of mine. This was literally 10 I mean, I'm years like, who ago. Who throws away a mahogany box ever? I, I, is that even a thing? What I is the statute of limitations on when oh it is okay God. to let go of this thing? Was like, there what? a watch in the box? Thank goodness, no. But it was. Then the like, box was, needs like, to go. No, it's, one, it's, it's a very expensive watch. And I'm like, why would you throw away a mahogany watch box? One thing, okay. <laughs> one mistake. Anyway. And I was young, okay. I didn't understand about, like, watch boxes. I just thought, oh, like, boxes that things come in should be thrown away. I didn't understand there. I wasn't classy, anyway. if you will. <laughs> I didn't go there. didn't say that. But I don't understand it either. He's, like, full-on hoarder. Even right now... If you give him a corner or a space within one month, it will just be full <laughs> of just no like cats. pieces no cats of paper and I don't pens. have newspapers from months ago. Yes. None of that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> We're not on video, so I can't show you guys. But I can just no. – he literally has like a crayon drawing for his uh, That's mouse That's for pad. my niece. That's my mouse pad. <laughs> literally. This has to be on the table 24-7. Okay. Yeah, I usually give those type of things like three or four weeks. Then you've enjoyed it. Then it needs to yeah. go. Okay, that's true. On it's about ready next. to go. We'll get so. another. I'm sure we can get another one. Just so we can replicate that pretty <laughs> easily. True. So, do you guys have any plans for Valentine's Day? What are your feelings on this uh, manufactured holiday? That's kind of our feeling. 
Okay. Yeah, we've never we've never really celebrated it. Never. But like sometimes we'll do it a few days later or something. Or I think probably you guys have a similar thing. I think when you live in a city like Las Vegas for one thing, but also when you travel a lot and you're away from each other a lot, you just find time to make sure that you go out to dinner sometimes or go see movies together sometimes. Or I definitely think because we've talked about that before, where it's like, oh, it's our anniversary. Should we be going out right now, or should we be doing something? But we are also super, super into not being around a lot of people. <laughs> so anytime we can do something not like on a weekend, for example, or not on Valentine's Day, that's we're going to opt for that every time. Sorry, how does that work for your, uh, your guys' thoughts on poker in general if you're uh, not really into being around a lot of people? I don't play a lot of poker anymore. Yeah. we spent a lot of time when we first moved here downtown so we live on Fremont Street when we first moved downtown we played I mean every day every day every day and not we were never professional poker players by any means but just you know we played a lot of daily tournaments and a lot of you know Saturday tournaments and deep deep stacks and this and I mean we just loved it for ages I think it was really more of an excuse to go drinking I mean for me for sure it was that for me it was that but well, and I enjoyed it. I think it's just like anything else. And I, for me, I definitely feel like there was a point where I realized either you're going to really pursue this and try to get good at it, or this is just going to be something you're going to have as a hobby. And like we mentioned before, I, you know, I do a lot of other things and my passion has always been in, in video and entertainment. And so, you know, for me, I just realized I was never going to give it the time it needed to be what, you know, it's going to be if you're going to be a pro. And I think similar for you, right? Yeah. I mean, I was like having fun just from through through fighting and like the celebrity tournaments and stuff. And it was that's how I got you a that's true. nice uh, volunteer job. Thank you for that volunteer job <laughs> so much. But yeah, I think it's weird, and I, I don't know how old your you know target audience is and what have you. But I definitely, I definitely can feel myself. The older I get, the more I just want to be at home. And maybe it's part of the travel. Maybe it's part of being around so many people all the time when we are at poker tournaments. I do. I tell him all the time. Sometimes I barely want to talk on Skype when I get home from a poker tournament working, because you're just on all day, all day, all day, like saying hi and chatting and interview here and running around. And it's like sometimes I'm just like, man, my my ideal like this weekend I did basically nothing, and it's like my ideal time is just being at home with nothing going on. Sounds like the perfect day to me. <laughs> yeah, just being home. What do you think, Andrew Nimi? Uh, I'm a fan of that. Uh, spending time on the couch. I really like. I really like our couch. I'm a pretty big fan of it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, just some downtime would be would be great. It's just it's always there's always something. I mean, with when you're in the like the, this new media world. I don't know if it's new anymore, but there's always you know comments and things rolling in and all the different channels and stuff and things that you feel like you have to respond to. And then people are awaiting the next piece of content the day after yours gets posted and it's it's a never ending never ending thing. So downtime is pretty clutch. Even I mean this weekend I think I spent a good part of it redoing my website, which I don't even care about or use <laughs> or I shut it down like a few months ago because I'm like this is stupid. I'm paying six dollars a month. Why do I have a website? But then a few months later it's automatic. You know it's just there's just so many things I think that are expected at this point in the digital media space. That yeah you're right. It's just it's just and there's always a new thing. It's always like, oh, you're not using 
this oh you haven't tried out that software oh you're not on this platform it's i mean i swear it's just you you just could you could be up 24 hours a day seven days a week yeah never never stay on top of it it's exhausting like it's it's awesome to be able to connect to anyone at any time and all the time um yeah it's you got to figure out how to not get super burnt out by it all so does that mean i'm not getting auntie chardonnay makeup tutorials Oh my gosh, I want this. This is my ultimate dream life. Someday I want to do makeup tutorials for people like me who just thought they weren't as cute as everyone else and realized I just didn't hear about eyelashes until way later than everyone else. Way and later. I am in my 30s and I don't know how to do a face. I just do like... Uh, I didn't know about hair extensions. I just thought all these girls had long hair. And I literally, I was at the the PCA one year, and a friend of ours just happened to be there too, and he brought a bunch of girls, and they all came down one night, and I was like, how is all of your hair this long? Like, Mm -hmm. this is crazy. I've been trying to grow my hair out since I was like 15, and it's never got, and then they were like, oh, no, it's fake. You just clip it in, and I was just, my mind exploded. They told me about the eyelashes. I just realized there's all these little tips and tricks that, you know, us normal girls just don't find out about. And it's like a secret club that I'm trying to expose, although now I think it's it's been it, exposed. It has oh. been exposed. I mean, I mo- when I was in South Africa watching American TV, I thought Whitney Houston had real long curly, I didn't know it was a weave or a wig. It took like, me. How does she have platinum blonde hair? This girl it makes no sense. <laughs> so about it. But you know, they had these beautiful curls. I was like, oh, to be American, only to find that it was all fake. Yes. So yeah, I think eyelashes too. It's so I can remember looking at advertisements and just being like, their eyelashes are so long and thick and beautiful. <laughs> and then I just realized now it's you can have whatever eyelashes you want. Up to you. Did you learn about the magnetic eyelashes from Sarah or from somebody else? No, the magnetic eyelashes I learned, it was an ad on Instagram. Who knew? Who knew that you can have magnet? Because I can never get the strip on. (laughs) So I was like, oh, something for me. I didn't even realize that's a thing. Yeah, my my mom sent me a thing about it. She was like, hey, girl. Hey, girl, get it. But that is what I hope. Heath and I are moving to Texas, and I do hope, honestly, right now, my my role at iBus is, is, it's large, for sure, and I'm definitely hoping at some point to to slow down a little bit and maybe be able to work from home more often, and that's something I would like to do, although I'm also kind of understanding of what Andrew's talking about. When you have to create your own brand and be the boss of it and put out all the content all the time and stuff, it's really, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. I never really know what I'm doing, but I do love makeup. <laughs> I also and love dogs. When I, when are you moving to Texas? Before March 22nd sometime. Like this this 2018? Yeah. Okay, oh. so I'm going to come and visit you every day until you move or Great. whenever you're here. Let's do it. We're Ship in, it uh, where in Texas are we moving to? East Texas, ultimately, is the goal, which okay. for those who don't know, it's a. I think it's a nicely kept secret somehow so I grew up in Colorado I'm a I'm a lady of the the evergreens of the pine trees I'm a girl who likes a nice tree and um yeah so we just went cruising around in December looking at at different areas and places and I just totally fell in love with the piney woods in Texas it's there's all these do you guys know there's evergreen trees in Texas nope 
I had no nope. idea. Nope. It's amazing. And they're just tons, these beautiful, vast forests. And it totally looks, I mean, it looks like a winter wonderland there. I don't know. Apparently, it's going to be miserable no, in the sure. summer, but we'll find out. Well, I mean, you're moving from Vegas in the summer. How, how miserable can it be compared to that? Right. That's what I Humidity keep saying. Humidity is a little different, for sure. Oh, it's a dry heat. And we'll see the bugs. I don't think she's ready for the bugs. Oh, yeah, that's true. I might not be. I have very sensitive skin. I'm more of a big bend area, but that's she likes the trees. So he um, likes I'm, the I'm desert. Who likes the desert? There's like, like five the people in the world that like the desert. <laughs> really, you like the desert? I do too? like the desert. I mean, no bugs, and you know what the heat is going to be. You know, it's not not too much rain. I like it. Man, it's oh, no, like Sarah loves the rain. That's her. I love the rain. When I'm indoors, I like the rain. But yeah. Having to that live is, life in the rain, not so much. That is where life comes from, okay? <laughs> water. That is very true. Very true. The case for water by Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I, although, yeah, I might go crazy with the bugs, but we'll see. It's, on, it's, you know, it's time for the next adventure. We lived in Palm Springs for a while, and we lived here, and I, I feel like we've really done the desert pretty hard. The desert has been done, and now... It's on to the next adventure. Well, Vegas will place. miss you for sure. Oh, don't worry. I'm sure you'll see me here every be... summer. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we wrap it up, because I know you have to go on a walk, um, <laughs> any last thoughts on any uh, advice or parting thoughts for people and love in poker and in Las Vegas and the world? I guess the <laughs> poker world. I mean, I think for me, I would say that the best advice I ever got that I really have a hard time managing sometimes was from Heath's sister. And I'm pretty sure it's like an old adage that everyone hears. But would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? Like sometimes it's better to just let a fight go, say, you know, you're sorry or what, move on so that you don't just fester in something because being right is like way less fun and important than just like being peaceful with each other also you have to learn to be forgiving people are going to do things all the time that are irritate you or their mistakes or whatever and super important to recognize that you also need that compassion for each yeah. other and forgiveness mm-hmm. because you irritate people just as much if not more than they irritate you <laughs> and even on big things i think it's so funny because i actually think it's been sort of something perpetuated by modern culture is this idea that like you know if you're like a really strong woman or if you're this like you have all these standards and it's like I will not accept this and like I do it if you ever do this you're out or this and I think actually creating those paradigms sets people up for failure in some ways where I think maybe learning to be a little bit more forgiving and not setting these ridiculous like if I ever saw that or I ever heard this it would be over forever it's like I don't know I just feel like that's not really a, a healthy space for a relationship. Please tell us your advice, Heath. Any thoughts? I think men, men want respect and women want love. I oh, think that's, that's something so that we always forget. Mm. That was a huge thing for me to learn. Because I always think, but I love you so much. Right. He's like, but you can't talk to me like that. Because oh. you got to respect me, too. Yeah, that's okay. uh, that's deep. And the way he said it, it was just like so matter of fact and makes you really think i was like oh that was big for us not for me it's from the pastor he's a lot smarter, <laughs> lot smarter than i am 
It was big for us. Because it's so weird. It's just so weird to be... I know everybody I definitely think this is also a thing everyone thinks everyone's the same everyone's the same that's like the new thing now but it's like everyone's not the same everyone no. doesn't see the world exactly the same and so it's like sometimes I'm thinking that he should be feeling or thinking or seeing things the way that I do but it's like I'm a woman I have a completely different experience of the world than he does he's a man he has a different experience he might need different things than I do I always think I'm giving you what I need but I need to give him what he needs Thank you. I am Money. not officially obsessed with you guys. <laughs> yes. I love where this relationship is going. I know. Too bad we're leaving. We're going to have to have a long-distance relationship, too. I am uh, I'm very, very proud of myself for asking you to be on a podcast because I think it's going to be perfect for a little Valentine's special. I love it. And so, and you know we're not doing anything on Valentine's Day, so we'll just be at home <laughs> listening <true>. to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, aren't we so dreary? Oh, yes, you see. Yeah. <laughs> but oh yeah, thank you so much for agreeing to come and chat to us. Um, I was so nervous just to tell you, but I am very We're so powerful and important. <laughs> I was so excited. I had another thing I was scheduled supposed to do this time, and I was like, oh, this will be infinitely more fun than what I had scheduled to do <laughs> and it was it was yeah I'm very glad to hear it perfect Pete, thank you so much for chatting very welcome thank you so much all right Pleasure talking with both of you bye guys bye thanks guys